One thing I'd like to say is that I don't live in a prison and I'm not afraid of anything. I haven't built any walls around myself. I am just like anyone else. He was a songwriter, an actor, a producer. He loved to laugh, and he could make us cry. None more so than when he left us on April 21st, 2016. This is Stuck in the 80s, and we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. We're here to talk about the man known as Prince. Some breaking news now for you. There are reports from the U.S. celebrity website TMZ that the pop star and musician Prince has died at the age of 57. With me as always, as is tradition for all tribute shows, it's uh, my BFF, Brad in L.A. How you doing, Brad? Well, Steve, I've had better weeks, but uh, I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk about this. And I wouldn't uh, even attempt to do a show like this without our Minneapolis correspondent. Uh, say hello to Dr. Dim. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me back. Wish it was for a better occasion, though. I know. Uh, special guest this episode, uh, first time on Stuck in the 80s ever. Please say hi to Jen with one N. Hello. Hi, 80s Nation. I mourn with you. So, Jen, you are um, you're new to this. So tell people, where, you live up in the New England area. I do. I live in Portland, Maine. Um, when I first started listening to Stuck in the 80s was in, I want to say, 2007. And I was living in Queens, New York at the time. So I was Jen with one end from Queens. And how did you find the podcast? How did you come, about, come across it? I, I had just started listening to podcasts so I could be on the subway and, and be doing something. And I literally typed in the words into iTunes, stuck in the 80s. <laughs> we Whoa, I swear. Up. That is, yeah, that is not a made-up story. And I was Boom. like, oh, look at this. So I listened, and I listened to the back catalog stuff, what was up to, you know, that date, and then have been listening since, with a couple of breaks in between to have a kid, but you know how that goes. No, I don't. Yes, actually, I do. <laughs> See, Brad knows. I mean, I didn't actually have the, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Steve, I think I texted you Thursday morning that you know something was going on, uh, news was breaking, and when I first saw the information, there wasn't a confirmation that Prince was dead. Um, what was that? The first you'd heard of it? Yeah. Um, in fact, I think the last three celebrity deaths that have come from the eighties. I think you're always the bearer of bad tidings. I'm like the uh, angel of death, man. You are. Um, I was at work. It was just after lunch, and you sent the text in, and I, I. I was confused. I, I thought you must have been talking about anything else. There was just no way in my mind that I could believe that, that Prince was dead. This is CNN Breaking News. And CNN has now confirmed that the artist Prince is dead. Uh, we're just getting confirmation earlier. We knew there was a police investigation underway at his estate the studio in Minnesota. Now official word. We're getting the word now that Prince has died. Uh, CNN's Miguel Marquez is following the story for us. So what do we know so far, Miguel? Well, this is certainly the sort of news that you don't want to believe is true. But uh, Prince has died at the age of 57 years old, according to a, a family member who does not want to be named. Uh, Jen, when did you find out? About the same time, right after lunch, a friend of mine actually on Facebook had written, Oh, Jen, on my timeline. So I replied, you know, nothing, nothing was wrong at that moment. So I replied, 
what's going on? I, I don't see anything, thinking she had posted a video or something. Yeah. And then instantly, like, two or three friends started texting me and, and Facebook messaging me. And that was it. I just pretty much lost it for, I don't know, half hour or so. Yeah. Yeah. I went, you know, again, the first story I saw was that there was a fatality at his property and they didn't know who it was. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's wait, let's wait. And then, you know, then TMZ who, you know, love to hate them. They don't usually get it wrong. Um, reported that it was Prince, and it was just like a punch to the gut. I'm just, I was in my office, you know, it was, what, 9 o'clock in the morning, day starting, and I'm just like, oh, man, seriously, I have to get up and go to meetings and talk about work stuff now? No, this isn't going to be good. What about you, Dem? Uh, pretty much the same time you guys did. Um, I saw somebody on Facebook just posted a link to the TMZ uh, piece, and it was interesting because in Facebook, the TMZ piece the headline was that Prince was dead at age 57. I don't remember the exact words, but that he was dead. And then you click that link, you went to a story, and it was a little more vague. They were saying there was yeah. a death reported at Paisley Park. Right, that was the first story. So, you know, I, my skeptical nature, I put in the comments on that first, whoever it was that posted that, I said, well, I have to confirm this. So for the next, I don't know, about an hour just kept looking, you know, Googling and seeing if any other news source was picking it up. And uh, there was a local news source that had uh, a local reporter saying he had talked to law enforcement that said that there was a death there, but they still hadn't said. But I, I don't know how – it couldn't take much more than an hour after the first news started coming out before they actually did tell us that, that it was Prince. And I, I, I was stunned. You, you live up in Minneapolis – for for those of us who aren't too familiar with geography, where is Paisley Park? It's in Chanhassen. That's a, it's a suburb of Minneapolis. I believe it's a bit west of Minneapolis. I hope that's right. Um, but it, it's not all that far, really. I mean, in the Twin Cities, you're not all that far from anything else. So it's just um, um, one of the local news stations played a, a bit of an interview that one of the rare interviews that he did with uh, local. Um, news people. There was a gal that was a one of the anchors. She was, I guess, friends with him, so she interviewed him, and she asked him why he stayed in Minnesota, and he had said that he never wanted to relocate to Los Angeles or New York because he felt that the environment affects you, and he wanted to be surrounded by what he said was peace, and he found that here in Minnesota, so that's why he never actually left, huh. which was a sense of pride for all of us here in Minnesota that, you know, that, hey, Prince is sticking with us. What have you ever been there? Have you been to Paisley Park? I haven't been there. Uh, um, I've been to First Avenue plenty of times, but uh, not. Uh, I've had a friend that's gone out, and I'll just. He just told me about this yesterday. He was. Uh, he's also friends with Chris Mars, the drummer from The Replacements. And when Chris was doing his first album, he was recording at uh, Paisley Park. So he brought mm-hmm. this friend of mine out there while they were doing the mixing and. My friend said that was kind of boring, so he just kind of wandered around, and he ended up in the he ended up in the hangar area, kind of. He says it's like a hangar, but that's where Prince puts on all his shows, and he he just stands in the doorway, and you can see all Prince's guitars just kind of lined up, and he's checking that out, and then he looks, and on the stage is Prince with his band jamming, and he just stood there and watched us for a little bit, and then felt like I probably shouldn't be here, and he <laughs> went back to where he came. Wow, it's amazing.
now, now, Jen, when you said you heard about it right away, and you you obviously had a reaction right away, you were you at work? Yeah, I work from home, so I uh, I was by myself, and I had nobody to, you know, hug or go out in the hall and talk to about this. So I just, uh, yeah, I just I was uh, a mess for a half hour or so, and tried to get my act together and, and, you know, sort of be reasonable and say, oh, he's not, you don't know him and that kind of thing. I, I really didn't expect to be so affected, <laughs> affected by this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I got in my car and it was a beautiful day. And if you live in New England, you know what that means in the spring. So I rolled down all my windows and blasted Graffiti Bridge and went and got a milkshake, which seemed to do the trick for a while. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys listened to um, on Sirius XM, the 80s channel, immediately went into uh, a tribute mode. They had Mark Goodman taking phone calls, and uh, Martha Quinn called in, and I, I think she put it really well. She said, you know, it, it was tough when Bowie died, but Bowie wasn't really all ours. You know, but Prince was, he was ours. He was an 80s guy. I mean, okay, yeah, he recorded some stuff in the '70s. He got started in the '70s, clearly, but but he was our decades' music. No two ways about it. Being in a gang called the Disciples High on Crack, toting a machine gun. The, the trouble when someone dies um, from the 80s for me is um, I go into journalist mode right away, and I, have, I feel like I have to write it up. Um, I, I still blog for my old newspaper, you know, where the whole podcast got started, and I knew they'd want something, so I immediately was like, oh, God, what am I going to write? So I wrote up a, a top five moments in Prince's career piece, and I didn't even really think about um, it one way or another. I, I mean, I was just, to me, it was a news story. And, and this is one of the curses of being a journalist, is that you, you – know, I joke about how the fact that my heart has died. Yeah, um, you're working the story first. But you work the story first. You know, when 9-11 happened, you worked the story first. When MJ died, when John Hughes died – you work the story. Um, and it when, does, did were you, when did you allow yourself to step back from that? How long did that take? It took until Friday night. So it took a full day and a half. And I was home Friday night. The weekend, the week was over. I put on Purple Rain. Uh, I own three DVDs of Purple Rain, by the way. Um, I don't know why. I think uh, I've acquired some through ex-girlfriends and stuff like that. But... I put it on. It was playing nonstop on MTV and VH1 and BET. It still is, I think, today. I, I watched some of it this morning. Uh, I put on Purple Rain, and I got maybe halfway through the first song, Let's Go Crazy. And then, <laughs> boom. I mean, I just felt like somebody had hit me with a baseball bat. I started crying. I, I mean, I'm drinking, obviously. You know, let's, let's not kid ourselves. But, <laughs> It is Friday night. It's Friday that night. Makes it all right. Friday night in the lair, you know. But I mean, I, I, I got you know verklempt, and I just I really started to feel just sick, sick to my stomach, and that's I and I felt and that pretty much carried on throughout the whole weekend.
So I, I went on the 80s cruise, loved it. Uh, and the very last morning, you know, it's so early and you've stayed up so late trying to do the last fun thing. And I was all packed and we were waiting for my cabin mate and I were waiting for our friend to come get us and we would go out and, you know, get off the ship. And so we were like, what's the last thing we can do? The last fun thing we can do. So I put on Purple Rain because it was one of the movie choices yeah. on, in the cabin. So I put on Purple Rain and we just listened to Let's Go Crazy. Like pulling our suitcase out <laughs> into the hallway. We were <laughs> like, that That was what we chose for our last yeah. hurrah. The wow. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. the... Um, I, I had a coworker at work who's about ten years younger than me, and he's the one who always wet, uh, looks after Cat Benatar when I'm on vacation. And um, he's never seen Purple Rain, and so Ugh. so he was going to on Friday night see it for the first time. And I counseled him. I'm like, "Look, you're probably not going to like it. You're you're seeing it thirty years after it was made. You're right. You're ten you don't years, have the context. You're ten years younger than me. I saw it when I was you know sixteen. Um, Apollonia is in it. Yeah, I said you just probably you're probably just not going to like it, and I, I apologize, but you just have to understand that at, at its very worst, just or just think of it as uh, you know, ninety minute, two hour long music video, like an extended music video. Just just enjoy it on that level, and try not to to be so angry at me for making you watch it. <laughs> and he texted me later that night and said, "I love this movie. I love it because he was like, it's this utopian." version of what concert going was like in the 80s he's like there's all these people and that some of he's like a, a, a sizable portion of which have mustaches which was freaking him out <laughs> there it's people from every race and creed all drinking and smoking and fighting and dancing and singing he's like it's it was like it's a it's a fairy tale um and i, I was so happy that he liked it i mean that really yeah. That cheered me up more than anything. Every time we give you a song, you say you're going to use it, but you never do. You think we're doing something behind your back. You're just being paranoid as usual. Wendy. Shut up, Lisa, please. You should know by now that we wouldn't hurt you. You should know by now that we wouldn't put a dark cloud over your head. It's just to make you feel good. You felt this way with us before, remember? The nominees for Best Actress are... Oh, f*** it, Wendy. Let's break. Why should he do your music? He's been getting along just fine without it. Next thing you know, you'd be wanting to use his motorcycle. I was going to bring this up later, but there's a great book that kept, came out a couple years ago called Let's Go Crazy, The Making of Purple Rain, the movie. And uh, it's by Alan Light, who I think used to be the executive editor for spin and was a rolling stone writer for a while it's so good if you guys haven't read it it's not a long read it's really page turner and uh i highly recommend it because it really it's it's an approach to prince i hadn't seen before because he wasn't able to you know get access to him even though he's spoken to him many times but um yeah it's really good it talks about how the movie was put together how it really started the whole mythos of of prince and that idea of men and women and different races and stuff like that was very much by design. And I didn't really realize that until I read that book. It's really good. Dim, you've been to, to first Avenue and is, is it called first Avenue and seventh street entry? Is that the full name of it? Yeah. Yes. You've been first there Avenue and the seventh street. lots it, of times. Yeah. Is, does that movie represent that, that, 
venue well? It doesn't represent the backstage area very well because it's not like that. They they filmed all that stuff somewhere else. But yeah. as far as the the concert venue and and the eclectic mix of people that would be there, yes, it was pretty close. Uh, I do remember, however, back uh, in the days when they were making the movie. I was going to art school at the time. I was hanging out with a bunch of punks, and uh, in the newspaper they had some write up about people showing up for a, a, a casting call for extras. And they were having pictures of some of them that were in there. And I just remember our art school buddies and myself uh, just kind of scoffing at them. Oh, look at these posers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think at that point I'd even actually been to the the, the club at that point. But uh, I hadn't been there. But I, I was already feeling, you know, oh, these people are moving in on our territory <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I definitely got that feeling after I started hanging out there. You know, I'll look at the tourists all showing up just to see where Prince was from. But, but they, you know, the club and Prince had a symbiotic relationship um you know he prince used the club to work his stuff out and they you know they gave him the venue to you know to just build an audience and to work on whatever he wanted to work on and then prince in turn puts that into the movie and so they it's it, the two are intertwined and it was uh you couldn't you still can't separate them uh when he died the memorials that started showing up at Paisley Park, would that much understandable because that's where you live? But people went down to Minneapolis and they went out to uh, on the outside of the building of Minneapolis. There's a bunch of painted stars, and in the in the in the stars are the names of uh, bands and artists that have played there. And right near, you know, closest to the door, there's prints, and people were piling up flowers underneath that. And as the day went on, I mean, the city of Minneapolis must have just said, "Go for it," because they let them close down. Uh, the Seventh Street entry side of the of the club, and they had a block party thing going on there, and people were gathering. And then, um, as the once the whatever band that was uh, scheduled to be playing in the club was uh, well, I guess on Thursday there was no band playing, so they just were letting people in to just dance. But for the next Thursday night, Friday night, and then last night at one thirty in the morning. First Avenue, open up the doors. You can come on in and just dance all till seven in the morning uh, to Prince music. And that Thursday night, that block, got, it must have been thousands of people there. And that's that's when it hit me hardest uh, when that group of thousands of people started singing "Purple Rain." Uh, that's that's where I got most, uh, you know, as close to emotional as I ever got. You know, we, we talked we've talked about Purple Rain the movie a couple times, so we're not going to go too deep into it today. Um, we've actually covered it twice in podcast lore. I think it was one of our first. It was one of our first ten episodes. I think the the very first time we ever talked about it. And I think it was just me and Gina Vivanetto, my original co-host. And then uh, in two thousand nine, I think it was <laughs> <laughs> when I was the infamous. Uh, yeah. Who's heard, who here has heard the infamous uh, Purple Rain commentary that we recorded? I did. I, I, I've not tried to make it through the whole thing, but I'm, I've heard clips of it. I and, and I am the keeper of the file. If someone needs it, reach out to me and I'll make sure you get a copy. I persevered. I got through the, my wife and I watched the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun listening to you guys get progressively more... Just there's hammered <laughs> by the end. Well, I, I was hammered by the end. We tried to make... We made... Um, I was dating VGF at the time, and Sean Daly was there, and 
was Kathy there or Stephanie Hayes was there? I think it's Stephanie Hayes. And um, we made Purple Rain cocktails. There was like a there was a recipe for them online, and we made them, but they didn't turn out purple. They turned out gray, if I remember. Uh, and they were there's there's a the full foreshadowing there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lots of things would turn gray. Um, but uh, I, you know, people who haven't listened to it, I have a sm- special snippet for you. I'll play here. Uh, Cast your mind back six years ago to the wonderment of uh, a drunken Steve trying to honor Purple Rain. (laughs) The glasses. Steve, every time he doesn't have anything to say, he keeps putting on his sunglasses. Like it makes it all okay. This is what it sounds like when doves cry. (laughs) Singing and he's drunk. Sweetie, would you like another drink? I honestly didn't listen to that on purpose because I like Purple Rain. (laughs) 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 It's true. There's a reason I haven't been able to bring myself to listen to the whole thing. It's not bad for the first 25 or 30 minutes, right? Yeah. That's right, Steve. Hi, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) You like watching movies with me, Steve. And you, what do you dream about? Is that not the worst? Can we all agree that's the most painful line in the whole movie? Oh, it's my favorite line. It's my favorite bad line in any movie. I always oh, you... say it to every once in a while, just out of the blue. Well, you got to remind you... me. Remind me. What's the line? I'm... Oh, so, so they're in a lake. They're they're near. It's a it's Apollonian Prince, the kid, and they're by Lake Minnetonka, and he's telling her how she has to. No, no, this is before the purification, the quote purification, and. She, he's asking her about her dreams or blah, blah, blah with Apollonia. And then, I know, and then Apollonia says to Prince, dramatic pause, and you, what do you dream about? That's perfect. That's the line. <laughs> That's so uh, thank perfect. you. I've heard it many times. I've said it many oh, times. Man. You know, and, and when, when the f- movie first came out, I saw it maybe two or three times. Uh, the first time I saw it with, uh, was with a friend of mine who is uh, pretty geographically minded. So we're watching that scene when, when she had to purify herself in the, uh, in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. He turned to me and says, that's not Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> and like, and she jumps in there and, of course, there's the joke. But he knew, he said, that's not Lake Minnetonka. I think, I'm not sure, but I think it's Lake Elmo. Uh, Lake Minnetonka is out in the suburb city of Minnetonka, and it's kind of this weird, sprawling kind of a lake thing. Um, and Lake Elmo's over here by where I'm in St. Paul. It's over in this area. But, but uh, that was... terrified in Lake Elmo, my friend. <laughs> no, you don't want to see that. <laughs> Do people actually go get... I mean, after this movie came out, surely some people thought, let's go get uh, baptized in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. I hadn't heard anything, but I wouldn't have been surprised. I heard she um, like almost literally froze. It was so cold. That's what that book, Let's Go Crazy, talks about that. They interviewed her too, uh, the actress. Quote, yeah. actress. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I mean, that's, a, that's the thing about Purple Rain. There was only, I think, two actors really in the entire mm. movie. I think it's right. the, the people who his parents. His parents, yeah. Other than that, everyone's pretty much playing a version of themselves. Yeah. 
some kind of stylized version of themselves. Yeah. Well, the the club owner, I don't know who he was, because he's not uh, he's not Steve McClellan, who's is the guy that uh, was one of the original owners of First Avenue, and I think is now owner again. It's went through some hand changing over the years, but he, he's not a he's not a round black fellow. <laughs> he's a rather pasty <laughs> awesome white dude. sunglasses. <laughs> Yeah. D- hey, Doctor Tim. Yeah. Did you see Purple Rain in the theater? Yes, you did. Were people dancing or anything? I'm just curious. In Minnesota? No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Does <laughs> it get cold in here? <laughs> it's just you know we're we're you know generally we're a stoic bunch. We're not too you know. Not too given to that kind of so this, outward manifestations of excitement. So this raises the question too- then. So, so Jen, were people dancing when you saw it? Aha, they were because I saw it at my friend's Eve, friend Yvette's house on VHS because oh. I was only ten. Well, sure. Oh. So huh. we were dancing. I uh, How about you, Steve. <laughs> I saw in the theaters. Um, I think I told this story before, but it bears uh, repeating, I guess. I was at the mall as as one tended to do in the eighties sure. with, with two of my guy friends, and we were just kind of doing what you do, which is not buying anything and just hanging out in the food hanging court, out in the food court, eat hot dog on a stick. Yep. And um, this girl that I knew from the bowling league that I was in, because I was so cool this back in the eighties, gets better and better every minute. <laughs> girl, I was so cool in the eighties that I was in a bowling league, not one but two years. And um, and as you can imagine, the bowling league was full of beautiful women. <laughs> so, um, oh, what I want to live in your dystopian future, yeah. brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, sometimes my memories of the past are a bit uh, altered. The um, we bumped into her, and she wanted to go see Purple Rain, and I so I, I strong armed my friends into going to see Purple Rain, and we went, and me and the girl from the bowling league, whose name I should remember, but. I just don't. We spent the entire movie making out while the two of my best friends were sitting right in the road behind us, just dying a personal hell. To this day, they, they still have not forgiven me. In fact, I don't, I'm not friends with either one of them anymore, for that matter. <laughs> so but they weren't dancing then? They weren't dancing. They were, uh, they were making body movements, but I think they were more like holding an imaginary knife and plunging it into my back kind of thing. <laughs> Why didn't they just leave? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> If I, if I could, if Why didn't I, they just move? Yeah. If I could get the podcast time machine, I could go back in time and say, guys, just go on home. I got this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> uh, I might get in the time machine and go in the back of the theater where you are supposed to make out in the back row. Yeah. Back row. Is that what, is that what everybody did? Did everybody make out in the back row of theaters? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't necessary. I mean, if there was a balcony, that was always better. There are no balconies in Florida. So. Well, I worked in an old theater in, in L.A. here that had a balcony, but it was so, always closed because people would go up there and make out. So, Jen, you made out in the back row of movie theaters? Yeah, I didn't really like Short Circuit as much as my parents thought I did. <laughs> you made out during Short <laughs> Number Circuit? Number five is alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should make my own list of the, the 80s movies I made out to. Legal Eagles. Um, oh, uh, Shanghai Surprise. Well, you didn't miss much. Uh, I copped a feel. Yeah, I, I copped a feel during Private Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't put that on what, a T-shirt. No Gandhi. <clears throat> I didn't see Gandhi till years later. 
So I saw Prince on the big screen. The only time I've ever seen Prince on the big screen was not Purple Rain, but when I was working at a company called iWorks Entertainment. Actually, it's where I was working when I met Katie. And we built large format theaters. We're kind of an IMAX competitor. Mm -hmm. And so we had shot uh, some concert footage of Prince. I think it was at Universal Amphitheater. But uh, we were showing some of it in one of the demo theaters in our building, and we have a big company event, and everyone's going to come down to the theater and watch this new new footage. And they put it up, and it's you know it's a sixty foot high movie screen, and you're sitting you know thirty feet away from it, so it's this giant image. And out comes Prince, and he's wearing these kind of silk you know satin pajama pants, and it was very clear he was not wearing anything underneath them. <laughs> <laughs> like, hi, Prince. <laughs> I can't get that out of my mind. I'm like, okay, small man, well proportioned. Jeez. Did anybody see the other two movies, Graffiti Bridge or uh, Under a Cherry Moon? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you're the only one who saw all three. Now, did you see yeah, I... the concert film Sign of the Times? Oh, yeah. Yep. No. I saw that too. That's pretty good. Yeah. Graffiti Bridge was. um. Was good. The soundtrack is underrated. I think it's it's very good. And there's some great uh, Morris Day and the Time stuff on there, but um, Parade was very very bad. I, I was looking online and I, I'd forgotten this, but they they had won a bunch of or at least were nominated for a bunch of raspberries. Is that what they're called? The, Razzies. Yeah, Razzies. Um, Razzies. Yeah. Razzies. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thinking like Raspberry Parade now. But anyway, um, yeah. So that was not a good movie, but the soundtrack Parade is so amazing. If it, if it took bad movies to make the soundtracks that they produced, I, I don't mind. That's a trade you're willing to make. Absolutely. And Sign of the Times is just so much fun. The, mm-hmm. the movie, the soundtrack, all of it. So when all the, the publicity started pouring out you know, after his death, um, a lot of people focused on you know, the fact that he was so private. Um, and there's like a, a plethora of stories out there about things you never knew about Prince. Oh yeah. Uh, what were some of the things that you guys learned about Prince that you're really surprised about over the last week or so? I just read today. I was reading through one of those links that you sent us, and uh, it was people taught an oral history of Prince, and one of them was that Prince saying himself that he he, he couldn't read music. Uh, that surprised me. Yeah, it's, such a talented guy. Uh, you know, it's hard to it would it's hard to communicate what you want other people to do if you can't write it down sometimes musically. And he he said that fairly early on, so maybe he learned since then. But even in that quote, he said he didn't think it it would why what would it matter? He doesn't really need to. Yeah. Well, for on a personal level, that's absolutely true. Um, uh, if you can communicate what he needs to with the band to get them to do what they want, then maybe he doesn't need. Maybe he didn't need to have that. Clearly, he did okay without it. Oh well, gosh. the fact was, when he started out, he was doing everything. He played everything. Yeah, that's true. You know, he did all his own. You know, when he produced his records, he played all the instruments. I think he brought a saxophone player in because he couldn't play saxophone. But uh, other than that, he just he was masterful at uh, drums, bass, guitar, piano. So he he didn't need anybody else. Yeah, that's Jen, a good point. Jen, what surprised you the most? Um, sort of related to, to this, I. Uh, I didn't know. I knew he taught himself how to play many instruments, but I didn't know he learned piano at seven. Taught self-taught, and taught him how, taught himself how to play guitar at thirteen, and then drums at fourteen. 
taught himself how to play more than one instrument. It, that blew me away. Blew me away. That, and that he extremely was born well, to do too. This. Yes, exactly. Um, I think the weirdest thing for me was I didn't know he was a hardcore fan of Joni Mitchell when he was younger. Um, I guess Joni Mitchell recently told New York Magazine that Prince used to write her fan mail all the time. You know, instead of saying you, he would use the letter U, and he'd have all the hearts and stuff like that. And um, all of his mail was basically, you know, tossed into the trash because they just thought it was some sort of, you know, crazy-ass fan. Yeah. Just I didn't know he had a son. No, me neither. He died very shortly after childbirth. Yeah, that was a sad... Not in you know in part of his privacy, not talked a lot about. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh gosh, he married. It was the the dancer that was in Sign of the Times, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember her name. Maya, maybe. Maite. That could be it. And there was there was a little news about him having a child, and then it came quickly after that that the child died, and just there was not much said. It was. Uh, well, he was a very private person, so he he kept a lot of stuff to himself. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, do you think if if Prince were to begin his rise to fame today, given the <clears throat> given the way he approached his public persona and what he allowed to be shared and what he was willing to share, how do you think he would operate in the world today, where you've got you know basically twenty four seven exposure on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and you know you've got everybody's reporting everything and stuff. You know, is just out there the second it happens. How do you think he would have coped with that? I mean, he obviously was coping with it now, mm-hmm. but when, at the beginning of his career, what do you think would have happened before he had kind of the, the gravitas to say, well, no, I'm not doing interviews, or no, I'm not going to do that stuff that you want me to do to promote these things? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the the line between him and David Bowie, David Bowie hated doing interviews. Uh, early in his career, and he was awful at doing them. They were they're painful to watch. Oh yeah, they're bad. Um, I think to some degree, you know, Prince is the same way. He, he's so part of his appeal is that he's so difficult to understand. And nobody and, and we we lo- we love that about him for some reason. I, mm-hmm. I somehow he would. I think he gets a pass if if you know if social media were around thirty years ago. You know, yeah. some some people some people just rise above it all i mean i i remember thinking okay he he died in an elevator i mean prince shouldn't die in an elevator he should die like on a rocket ship you know like <laughs> it gets lost on the far side of the moon I, I mean he doesn't he doesn't fit into any mold and so somehow i, I don't think social media would have even it just would have been a fly that he batted would have been yeah interesting yeah yeah i tend to agree i i was uh looking at the news this morning just wondering what they were going to do in terms of a service or, you know, funeral or whatever. And he had has already been cremated and had that private service with close family and friends mm-hmm. at Paisley Park. And I thought, wow, how different from Michael Jackson. You know, yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson's whole life was so, it was just one big spectacle. Even yeah. in death, he Lived had this huge spectacle. And, absolutely. And Prince died the way he lived, you know, very privately and very... um. I don't know, guarded and, and only with his closest closest people near him. And I thought that was kind of beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for someone who is, you know, it just felt like I'm going to do this on my terms. And he was able to maintain that.
Speaking of privacy, I think it's time to reveal uh, the most interesting thing about Jen with one N is that you have a Prince tattoo. I hope that's not the most interesting <laughs> thing about me. As regards Prince and this show. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, I, I, um, I got a Prince tattoo. It's on my right ankle. I got it uh, when I was 19, so I've had it for about 10 years now, but a bump. Not uh-huh. a joke. Um, <laughs> but no, I got it. I got it in the early '90s for 15 bucks 15. by this guy called called Tattoo Ernie was his name. Oh, um, you didn't meet prob- him down at the pier, did you? No, probably not his Christian name, but yeah. So Tattoo <laughs> Ernie did my my tattoo, and uh, and it meant a lot to me. You know, it was my I've, I only have two. That was my second tattoo, and it was a time you know when I'm living on my own and learning how to buy groceries and learning how to pay bills and become an adult essentially, and I was trying and i think partly because of princess example in a weird way trying to figure out what my personal mythology was like what was my deal yeah and so his symbol this was before he changed his name to the symbol but the symbol meant so much to me because i loved him and loved his music of course but also just the whole man woman idea and it looked kind of like a cross so there's this sort of religious undertone to it and i was figuring you know who i was as a person and as a young woman and the whole gender thing and sexuality thing. I mean, it sort of all, was all wrapped up in that symbol. So it's meant a lot to me over the years. And yeah, have it forever now. When you guys look back um, years from now and you think about, or, or even today, and you think about Prince, what what moment stands out the most in his career? Dim. Uh, I'll say, well, the Hall of Fame... Uh, Tribute to George Harrison and the uh, the the, the all star-studded musical act putting uh, playing while my guitar gently weeps, and then Prince just stealing the whole bit at the end with that monster guitar solo he did. Jen, you're the only one of the th- of the the four of us who's actually seen Prince in concert. Is that your takeaway moment? It it's not actually. It's not. I mean, I I went to see him during his musicology tour. Um, I was in New York, and and uh, I think the concert was at the Meadowlands, and I was way in the nosebleeds and so excited, obviously. And the lights come up, and you hear "Dearly Beloved," and he's opening with let's go crazy and i was like i can't handle like he's opening with it you know (laughs) and all of a sudden so i'm in row z you know triple z or whatever and i just start i you'll learn i'm a crier but i just burst into tears with a huge smile on my face like man i finally get to see see him i finally get to do it and i almost didn't and i'm so so glad that i did because even from out there you know his whole band the whole all the dancers i mean this energy, it wasn't just Prince, it was Prince and what he was doing with the people on stage with him, if that makes any sense. Like, so much energy, and you could just feel it in the whole, the whole place. But, um, 
yeah, I don't. That was that was amazing. I, I I'm so like, kicking myself that that I didn't try harder to go see him. You know. Um, I think for me it's the 2007 Super Bowl halftime show, and every year when the NFL announces who their halftime act will be, I trot out my infamous you know best halftime performances blog item that I've recycled you know more than my uh, unforgettable fire U2 T-shirt, and I always everyone always wants to put U2 at the top of the list, but in my mind, it's Prince in a driving rainstorm in Miami playing Purple Rain. And nothing will ever take that away from us. Yeah, that's an amazing moment. Um, I, I agree with you on that, Steve. And I think that some of it for me was uh, my expectations were super low. <laughs> you know, it just felt like the NFL had kind of been trotting out, you know, let's see which, you know, maybe the kids will be okay with this, but the parents won't turn off the TV, you know. And I just felt like the choices were so kind of bland and i almost expected prince to just kind of phone it in but it's a great set it's a great set and and it's the driving rain and the weather's terrible and it's like whatever i'm doing this and you're gonna listen to it and you're gonna like it yeah and prince was prince because he had that uh that floating screen come up behind him and he his shadow cast on there yeah the 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 non-wardrobe non-malfunction it's just prince being prince that was awesome. I like to think about when I see that still, I liked, and you see his shadow, I love to think about like all those people like across the country seeing that. I just love it. Maybe registering, maybe not. I don't yeah. know. Well, what but was that? If you, haven't, if you haven't seen, it's been making the rounds, if you haven't seen the clip of uh, somebody from the production team talking about that halftime show, I guess they were like, you know, it had never rained before at a halftime show, and they were so nervous, and they call, one of the guys on the production team calls up Prince, and it's just like, hey man, it's raining, you know, can't apologize for the weather, but kind of nervous what Prince was going to say, and Prince was like, that's that's all right, man, can you make it rain harder? <laughs> so oh my good. God, seriously. Running yep. towards danger. <laughs> We're not well, the, he knew. He 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 knew the drama. The drama. He knew. Yeah. He knew the name of his song. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Fair enough. Uh, we're obviously not the only ones who have great memories of Prince. Uh, we asked uh, people who listen to our podcast to share some of their stories about Prince, and we got a couple good ones in. Uh, Brad, you want to do the honors? Sure. Let me take a crack at this. Uh, first letter is from a longtime listener and occasional co-host Dave Dirt. Dave writes, "Holy cow." I'm in absolute shock. This hits me really hard. Usually I'm a little bummed about celebrity deaths, but but face it, I have no connection to whoever it is. But but Prince, man. I was driving home from work, flipping through the channels, and Z100 out of New York City was playing Purple Rain. For a brief second I thought, well, maybe they're just doing an all-80s lunch or something. But then I remembered he had just made that emergency landing last week and had to be rushed to the hospital. My heart sank immediately. Then, at the end of the song, the DJ came on and confirmed it. I literally cried out, No! Even in my high school, I only listened to metal days, Prince always had such a profound influence on me, from my drumming to my bass playing, especially my guitar playing, more than I realized for a long time. I was honored to have taken part in a couple of different Prince tributes over the years. Man, was that guitar stuff hard to pull off. A college friend reminded me that when we were stuck in Kennesaw, Georgia, just north of Atlanta, back in the storm of the century in 93, Prince was stuck in Atlanta in the snow and apparently gave a free concert in the lobby. 
I was so bummed that we hadn't trudged the extra 10 miles in 15 inches of snow. He had also been scheduled just this past couple weeks to do a secret surprise show here in St. Louis at the fabulous Fox Theater. That would have been one hell of a show. I can only imagine his royal purpleness tearing it up in that gorgeous building. The man was an absolute indisputable genius. There is a huge hole in the world right now. Rest in peace, Prince. You will be missed. Dave Dirt. Wow. Great story. Regrets are horrible, man. I wanted to go see him in Atlanta uh, when he was there, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, just and last, I, sh- last shows. Yeah, and I said, no, it's stupid. I mean, it's the middle of the week. I, you know, it's just a show on the piano. I'll get another, I'll get another chance. And you, yeah. just, you just don't. I don't know how many times I have to learn my lesson. Well, and I've never seen him, which is shameful since I live in his backyard. Um, and I was trying to figure out why. And it, was, it all goes to my musical snobbery days in the mid to late 80s. I wasn't going to uh, call you out on it. Yeah. Well, it's just, we got to a point, this friend of mine and I, that went to all kinds of concerts together. At some point, we just, we just said to each other, we're not going to arena shows anymore. They're just, they're too big, they're too expensive. If you, if you want to get close, you really got to pay. And they're just impersonal. And it's, you know, we're, we're going to see shows at First Avenue or the Caboose, another club in the Twin Cities, or, or the Uptown. And, you know, we're going to go to these more intimate places, maybe a theater. But sure. by that time, by that time, Prince was a mega star. So he, that the only places he would go to generally would be the big arena things that we had just sworn off. So we never saw that. But he would do an impromptu show at First Avenue. The word would go out maybe two, three hours before he'd go on stage. And unless you were in the know, and I was never in the know, I would find out about it. I was going to art school at the time. There was a guy that I went to school with that he was in the, in the know, but just never let me know. And my, my friend, that, uh, my friend John, who we went to all kinds of shows together, we were at a party, and uh, this art school buddy of mine was there. And John goes over to him and says, here is my phone number. If Prince ever does another show, call me. <laughs> you know, let me know. Yeah. But it just never came through. It just never happened. Yeah, the internet is stacking up with stories of people who have seen, who saw him play. I mean, I guess it was pretty uh, typical for him to play a big show in an arena someplace and then go play a, a second set mm-hmm. someplace in a small club. And the internet is just, like I said, it's just filling up with stories who saw these kind of post-show um, party sets. You see, and, it, and as close as I got to seeing Prince was I saw his protege band, The Family. Okay. I saw their debut uh, performance. At, I'm sure it was their debut performance at First Avenue. And it was on a Tuesday night, and it was it was a night that wasn't supposed to have bands playing. It was unannounced, and we're there. And, I'm, and I'm, I, I just spent the most of the concert thinking, this is not going to end soon. They keep going, you know, because we wanted it to get to the regular night, what they would normally do. But uh, and uh, that's about as close. I was told that Prince was there, but I didn't see him. So, what do you guys think comes next? Well, I think uh, it's the Vault because Prince was exceedingly prolific, and he just recorded and recorded and recorded. And he would just put stuff away that he didn't put out. Uh, Kevin Smith, the filmmaker, was there was one time when uh, Prince wanted Kevin to make a documentary about him brought him out to Paisley Park, and he spent a few days with him. The documentary never came about, but Kevin Smith was talking about the vault and all that music that's in there. Yeah. Will that ever see the light of day? I wonder who curates that now that he's passed away. Like, who is going to manage that release and, you know, kind of 
shepherd that stuff through the process. I also wonder if then maybe they'll lighten their grip on his online music presence, you know? Oh. Yeah. See, that was the problem. That he dies. I've got one song on my iTunes at work. One print song. I listened to it a few times, but then I thought, okay, oh, that's right. He's not on YouTube. If he is, it's not on there for long because it gets taken down. Yeah, it's not it's on not Spotify. On, it's not on Spotify. I couldn't. Just, I, I felt so uh, uh, isolated from his music, and I didn't even think see if a radio station's playing something because there were. But it just that didn't even occur to me to put on a radio. But I just felt, and the one song I had was uh, "Money Don't Matter Tonight," which is a great song. But I just I felt so isolated from his music at that point. Jen, in a perfect world, what do you want to see happen in, as far as his music or tribute concerts? Oh, I thought you were going to say what would happen. So, so he died on Thursday. Today's Sunday. You know, three days later, we roll back the rock. He's just standing. <laughs> <laughs> this show is over. <laughs> that's yeah. That yeah. Something. That would be yeah. That's something else. I, I heard that, um, and it makes sense. I heard that that. Uh, you know there is going to be a at least one huge celebration there uh the ceremony his funeral that was private but i think there is going to be a huge blowout of some kind and if it was like a traveling blowout that would be amazing but um we're i don't know why this is but in portland maine we have this awesome prince tribute artist his name is dean ford he's so great um he and his band do a fantastic job Every Halloween for the past few years, they put this show on called Purple Brains. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really cute. Oh, it's Brains with a Z. Mm. And a couple years ago, Dr. Fink, who was in the original Revolution, he actually played with Dean Ford and his band. So, of course, I went to go see that, and that was amazing, and it was just really fun. And it's like got, getting to see a teeny tiny bit of, you know, a shadow of Prince, but sometimes it's it's better, you know, it, every, it's always better than nothing, but... Yeah, I'm just going to see what we're going to do locally here. I, I've been very interested to see sort of around the country and around the world what fans have been doing to mourn and to celebrate. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to go on for a while. And I'm kind of dreading the next few weeks when we start to get reports, like verified reports about why he died and how he died and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, yeah until then and up to then and after then, it's just listening to more music. And, and there was a point, I mean, I definitely encountered Prince in the 80s, and he, I, I hear you say on the podcast all the time about being part, something being part of your DNA, and Prince just absolutely is, and I didn't really realize it till this week. Mm. Um, you know, just who I am is so much because of his music and, and what he said with his whole, his whole way of being, you know, he was this crazy talented for one thing but he he was just such a boundary breaker in terms of gender and sexuality and even the religious stuff i mean people weren't singing about god a lot there was madonna of course but just that just the intersection of that the, the sexuality and the religion just always like blew my mind and uh anyway i forgot your question but <laughs> <laughs> you answered a better one you answered a better one okay good. exactly great hey this good. has been great i hope uh i hope we all got a little bit of healing out of this um Dim, it's always great when you join us. Wow, thanks. And, and Jen, I hope I hope you enjoyed your first uh, stuck in the eighties experience here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I was really hoping it would be broadcast news, uh, but this was this was good too. It was very uh, healing for me. Thank you. Before we go, I just want to say one last thing. 
there's been some talk lately about all these catastrophes adding up to some premature end to the 80s. In fact, the Associated Press two days ago published a column by Joel Ryan, who is a Los Angeles-based author who has written a lot about the lives of former child stars. Uh, yesterday, Joel tweeted, uh, quote, a piece of someone's childhood is dying every single day. And she linked to the column. Um, in that column, Joel says that the death of Prince is also about the end of the 80s, or rather, quote, the arguably premature end of the I Want My MTV decade. She continues, quote, To be sure, the 1980s ended years ago, but decades and their icons tend to linger. The children of the 60s have made it to their 60s with a good number of their cultural pillars intact. Bob Dylan, Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross, Paul Simon, the Rolling Stones. The children of the 70s still have Bruce Springsteen, John Travolta, and everything and nearly everyone from Star Wars. But the 80s were pop culturally about Prince, Whitney Houston, and Michael Jackson. Uh, Joel continues, Prince died Thursday. Houston and Jackson died in 2009. A piece of someone's childhood is dying every single day. The 1980s are not special, and they're not cursed. They're just going fast right now. Unquote. I think it's a fantastic column, and it's hard to disagree with anything that Joel says. But here's my two cents. A piece of each of us dies every single day. We lose classmates. We lose parents. We lose jobs. We lose hair. We lose time. It happens a day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time. But we don't lose the love. We love what Prince gave us. The music, the movies, the performances, the messages. We don't lose the faith. We will continue to sing Let's Go Crazy at the top of our lungs until they put us in a truck. And that's why, God help us all, we remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Sometimes it snows in April Sometimes I feel so bad so bad Sometimes I wish that life was never ending But all good things they say never last But all good things they say never last Love, it isn't love until it's past.